Hi, my name is DJ Trischler, and this is Process Out Loud, the podcast. It's a space where I reflect on everything that I've learned from teaching and studying during the previous week. Most of the content will refer to my experiences in the Masters of Design program, the MDES, through the School of Design at the University of Cincinnati's College of Design, Architecture, Art, and Planning, otherwise known as DAP. While there's a lot to cover in one week, I try to keep the episodes brief at about 10 minutes each. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It's been about a month. I took a break for um, the Christmas holiday winter break to pause from doing these process out louds. And now I'm one week into the spring semester at the University of Cincinnati, and I'm taking several really interesting classes that I'm excited to talk about today and throughout the rest of the semester. Again, just as a refresher, this is me processing out loud what I'm learning, and a lot of it is unformed, and I'm still trying to see the patterns as I move towards a thesis. And so I'm glad you can join me in that process. So I'm only teaching one class semester, um, Typography 2, and then I'm taking four classes. And um, as I said, again, I think they're really exciting. So I'm going to start with what I've learned from typography, and I'm going to try to direct this towards the students who are listening and who are not in my class. Um, but what's really fun about typography too is it's getting into the details of how to communicate with type, not just looking at type specifically, but how to arrange type to communicate a message. And um, there's so much about type using InDesign in particular that um, I just don't know. I, I told Megan um, that I think teaching type is a lot like teaching English. I'm pretty good at English but I'm not so good at teaching English. I wouldn't know where to start. And I think I'm pretty good at type, but teaching it is it comes with its own challenges. And I have bad habits. I have good habits. Some of my bad habits um, work for me, but they might not work for other people. And some of my good habits work for me, but not work for other people. And so I've been really just trying to learn InDesign over again and how to use InDesign to set type. And so I've created an arena board where I've um, collected all sorts of great resources on using InDesign and setting type. And um, I hope they're helpful to, to you and to anybody else out there and to my class. And it's really helping me teach type. It's also helping me eliminate some of the bad habits. I see teaching type as my way of setting up students with good habits because frankly, when I was taking typography, I just wasn't that interested. Um, I just wanted to make cool stuff. And throughout, throughout my career, I think I've always been a little skeptical of efficiencies and like learning the programs really well um, because I was able to uh, learn things on my own and make it work. But I'm really regretting that because there's so many ways to do things better than I've done them for the last 12 years. And I'm really, um, again, happy to teach that. So I'll share the arena board um, of all the things I've learned including um, easier ways to justify paragraphs um, of justified type or, or work on the letter spacing of, of paragraphs of both left aligned and, and justified type. So moving on to classes I'm taking, um, first off, I'm taking an ethnography course to learn how to better practice ethnography, which is going into different environments, digital or physical, and observing, participating sometimes, but observing um, the culture um, and observing the people. 
and making sense of what's happening. And so, for instance, I'm really interested right now in, um, let's say, uh, how co-ops work. And I'm sure lots of ethnographers have gone in and wrote about how co-ops work and their practices, the way the market works, exchange works. Um, I'm sure sociologists have done the same too, of the structures of co-ops. Um, but I could go into a local co-op and just observe how, how people act, how people feel, um, what they're doing, and um, keep field notes, um, write about it from hopefully a neutral perspective using neutral methods. And so that's what I'm excited to learn about in this course is how to do ethnography well. Um, and so we're starting at the beginning from the first person who has done field work in ethnography, um, Bronislav Malakowski, Malinowski, I might be mispronouncing that. We watched a movie called Savage Memories about him and um, we're reading about how he um, observed people in the islands of outside of Papua New Guinea. And so yeah, that's interesting. I'm taking a class called Beauty, Race, and Gender. And that's really interesting. It's, it's a lot of focus on the beauty industry, but design is so interrelated with, with beauty and the dominant um, ideas of beauty in the world and in our country and locally. Um, advertising and media project what is beautiful and people follow those projections whether they know it or not and so it's actually really neat to study design from maybe a back door or from a, a totally different perspective through um, anthropology and beauty race and gender and I'm really I'm so um, just loving the course I just read an article about um, whether or not beauty is is a part of fields or if it's it's like a universal concept and I, I believe the, the author was arguing that it's more about fields of beauty versus universality. And, and that makes me wonder too about design and, and taste. My uh, friend Aggie Toppins has talked about taste recently. And maybe it's more so about presenting different types of design as a field versus as like an overarching, um, you must do modernism or you must set type this way. But it has local uh, manifestations or local needs and, and has greater needs or, or maybe like dominant, dominant fields. And so um, I think we're so often just tempted to teach one way and maybe essentialize things and um, shoot for universal design as if that's even possible. Um, so yeah, a lot of unformed thoughts there, but that's, that's really interesting. Doing an independent study with a professor on decolonization. And this is a word that is not... It's new to me. It's not new to the world. Um, I think decolonization has its origins in when like Europe pulled out of Africa and different colonies. That's a that's an act of decolonizing. Um, I don't know what that would actually look like in the United States, though. I would I would imagine it would mean like Europeans leaving North America and South America and um, giving the land back. Um, on other levels, I think it also could be ideological in that. Um, we colonize people with our ideologies, whether that's capitalism, neoliberalism, Christianity, um, and opening up space for indigenous ways of being, um, or uh, the ways of, of an immigrant or cultures outside of the dominant culture. Um, and again, that gets back to this idea of fields versus kind of a universality of, of thinking and ideology. Um, 
along with that, I've been reading the book Sapiens, and I love the concept in there. It talks about how humans had to invent myths in order to organize. And what I'm seeing is like colonization is basically colonizing with my myth over your myth. And um, sometimes myths made people stronger, like capitalism made people stronger than folks that didn't have capitalism, which made them able to dominate them and and take their land or whatever it was. And um, But all, all we're doing is kind of perpetuating myths, whether we know it or not, ideologies, myths. And so it's just made me take stock stock of the myths that I, I, I have, and I do I have agency over them. I was raised Christian. My, um, I guess, perspective on Christianity is very different now than it was when I was younger, although I still am, I call myself Christian and believe in, in Christ. And, um, and that's maybe some would say the myth that I've chosen. I think that I didn't realize how much I was uh, raised in neoliberalism and competitive capitalism, even down to um, just the ways that I, I like looked at money and um, and my work ethic and like self improvement and and so I don't know. I feel like in some ways I'm not the person that should be talking about decolonization exactly. Um, I think that what I want decolonization to look like isn't as important as what somebody who's been colonized wants decolonization to look like. And in light of that, I, I, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know what to say about decolonization other than I think it's really important for us to know and name our ideologies and know our foundations that drive us and understand that not everybody has those and how do we deal with that dissonance? Um, and how do we deal with the dissonance or cognitive dissonance that that our ideologies have good and bad consequences and ramifications depending on whose myth we're talking about? So, yeah, I'm going to stop there because I don't know where I'm going with that. But um, the last class that I'm, I'm taking is a proposal prep course, which is at the end of the day going to help me write my thesis statement. And I think it all it all relates to this like idea of ethnography, beauty, race and gender, um, and um, colonization. And that I'm I'm really interested having been partnering and working with another professor um, who's written a book on design after capitalism, Matt Wazinski. And how do we get there? And do we want that? And what do we want? Like that's the kind of the thesis or the question that the book um, Sapiens end with, what do we want to want? And, and I fear that I'm not sure we know what we want to want. Um, and design after capitalism, my sense of the book is we don't, we don't really know what we're even designing and building and perpetuating. The institutions we're building as designers, we don't realize that. And we can have agency over that and build Maybe not a non-capitalistic world, but we can build non-capitalistic worlds within the capitalistic world where people can thrive and um, collaborate. And so I'm still defining this thesis question, but I think it has to do with um, all of these ideas that I'm talking about and really teaching designers, whether it's at like a, um, a lower level, like high school, elementary school, um, or a college level or beyond, but um, what are like some pedagogical methods or teaching methods 
that helps people understand their ways of being, like their ontology, I think that is, and their beliefs, and um, take stock of the beliefs that they're perpetuating, and design and develop new ways of being within design that are not just commercial, that aren't just capitalistic, neoliberal, um, but that enhance and um, yeah, actually make the world a better place. So we'll see where that ends up. I'm, I'm rambling and that shows that I, I need to work on my thesis, but I think at the heart of it is um, really like designers are working in ever evolving economies and, and rapidly changing economies and, and communities. And how do you train them for that? Um, I mean, there's, there's like very niche areas, like my friend Akshat's working on, on AI and developing a functional literacy for AI within these evolving and developing economies. Um, perhaps mine is more related to economics and um, how do we train designers with a functional literacy to understand um, the economic systems that they're perpetuating, how that is done through beauty, race, and gender, and how... Um, the institutions they perpetuate colonize. Um, again, that's a lot. I'm going to stop there, but I hope everybody's well, and uh, I'd love to hear from you, um, and I hope those of you who are students and listening are having a great first week of your semester, and um, yeah, it's good to be back.